0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Let us read some verses from Mark chapter 10, starting from verse 42. But Jesus called them to himself and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them. And their great ones exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever of you desires to be first shall be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen. Our spiritual day, the theme of it is love and self-denial. As Abuna asked, we will have three lectures. The first one, why love matters in service? Second one about self-denial and the third one about unity among the servants in the church why love is very important in our ministry and in our service in our relationship with our students different servants have different connection or relationship with their class some they don't have any relationship they just go give their lesson and then they leave maybe they knew few people by their names but there is no connection they don't carry them in their hearts they don't pray for them they don't ask and check about them there is nothing others have the relationship of a teacher and a student student teacher relationship like in school i am here to teach you about the bible I'm here to teach you about the doctrines of the church and that's it in the school the relation is just formal educational relationship and that's it the third group they have what we call minimum requirement relationship minimum requirement i know what is expected from me as a servant i need to ask about them I need to help them with their struggles, maybe congratulate them for their graduation or birthday or or any achievement in their life. I do the minimum requirement. But again, I am not carrying them in my heart. It is just a relationship. I know these are the requirement of a servant and I'm like, I want to meet this expectation. The first time, is actually the example of our Lord Jesus Christ, and how his relationship with his disciples. In John chapter 15 and verse 15, the Lord said to the disciples, No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. أحبة, beloved. I have called you friends for all things that I heard from my father, I have made known to you. Though our relationship with God, indeed it is a servant-master relationship. He is our master and we are his servants. He is our creator. But he insisted not to call us as servants, but to call us beloved, to call us friends and the reason, he said, because the servant does not know what his master is doing but God wants us to know he wants to reveal himself to us he wants us to participate and to share in his glory in his inheritance, to inherit the kingdom of God that's why he said, but I have called you friends or beloved for all things that I heard from my father I have made known to you and here we can see how God is interested in the person himself interested in the person himself in everything about this person when he saw the chaos it was more than enough to tell him the chaos salvation has occurred to this house but he invited himself to stay in his house because he is interested in the case and his family. To show him love, to show him acceptance, and actually to share his life with the case. That's why God actually gives us his body and his blood on the altar. In order to share himself with us, we participate, we partake of his body and his blood. And God actually created us as relational people which means our soul grows in relationship God created us as relational people that's why when somebody actually lives by himself he feels lonely and he feels bored even the hermits, they don't live with themselves they reach this level of spirituality to be connected all the time with God That's why they don't suffer from loneliness or boredom because they are connected with God. But our souls, it is a relational soul. That's why, although Adam, before the creation of Eve, he had everything. And life that has zero worries, there is nothing to worry about. But he was not happy. And the Lord said, it is not good for Adam to be alone. Because, again, his soul is a relational soul. He wants to connect with, with somebody. That's why in our celebrations, usually we invite people. We don't actually celebrate by myself. I'm celebrating my birthday or a feast or graduation. Nobody celebrates by himself. Because we feel the joy when actually we meet together. God himself is a relational God. God actually is in relation with the Son and the Holy Spirit. And there is love and there is communication all the time between the three hypostases of the Holy Trinity. Even the commandments, the whole Bible can be summarized in two commandments. And these two commandments are relational commandments. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. The Lord Jesus Christ, if you study his style of discipleship, how he is making disciple, actually, it was a relational discipleship. And we can actually see four levels of relationship with the people in the ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ. The very, very close circle had three persons, Peter, James, and John. He took them to the Mount of Transfiguration. He took them when he raised the daughter of Jairus. He took them in Gethsemane. This was the inner circle of the Lord. Then there was an outer circle. The other circle is the circle of the Twelve. The Twelve actually, including of course the three, Peter, James and John, they were with the Lord all the time walking with Him, learning from Him. And He made them disciples, not only through giving them lectures, but He made them disciples by, yes, He gave them spiritual topics, but He modeled His life in front of them, and He made relationship with them, and He led them to participate, like in the miracle of the five loaves and two fish. And He sent them, in the first commission, Matthew chapter 10. This inner circle, the Lord actually made them disciples through friendship. And that's why there are three words can be translated in Arabic, kelmete Pupil, student, and a disciple. Sometimes, we as Sunday school servants, we make pupils, or we make students but the question are we making disciples you cannot make disciples without having a relationship with them and this relationship should be a relationship of love what is the difference between a pupil a student and a disciple it has to do with the way of learning pupils are like the pupil of the eye they actually learn by feeding them the information so, they are like the pupil. The pupil doesn't do anything active, but the rays enter through the pupil, make image on the retina, and that's how we see. So, these are the, like elementary school pupils. They learn by receiving information. Students, like high school students or college, because they study, students from the world study. So, they go to the lab, do experiments, do the library, make research, paper. That is the relationship. But disciple from discipline, it is a relational way of education. Like when we say about the monastic fathers, we say, and and Theodore, his disciple. Because he lived with him, learned it from him. Through this loving relationship, he became a disciple of this master. So if all what we do as Sunday school servants we just give some lessons during Sunday school who are making pupils who are not making disciples. If I am more active I'm giving them some researches to do and to question and Bible study and quiz. Maybe I'm making students. But unless I have a relation with them a loving relationship with them I cannot say I am making disciples. And the Lord called us to make disciples. In the Great Commission, before His ascension, He said, go preach the gospel to all nations and make disciples. We are required to make disciples. And you cannot make disciples unless you have loving relationship with your class. I said there is the inner circle. Then there is another circle, the 12. There is a third circle, the 72. These people, God called them and entrusted them with the gifts of the Holy Spirit, sent them to preach the gospel, but they did not actually follow him like the twelve. Another level of relationship, like his relation with the family of Lazarus, Mary, Martha and and Lazarus. It was a a very close uh, relationship. This was the place, the house, in which the Lord Jesus Christ used to rest. Also, the bigger circle with all the crowds and the multitude. But also, he was interested in them. He healed them. He cast out demons from them. He fed them when they were hungry. He attended to all their needs, spiritual and physical needs we can see here the, the Lord Jesus Christ although he have different styles of relation but the way he made disciples it was a loving relational style of making disciples even the apostles the apostles when they started their ministry were making actually disciples as he learned from the Lord Jesus Christ In the same style, they made disciples. We can see how St. Paul, his relationship with his disciple Timothy, or Titus, or his companions who traveled with them, they learned it from him. He was like a father to them. And to the congregation, many, many times he addressed them as his spiritual children. He traveled in pain till the image of Christ is Portrayed in them. The Lord Jesus Christ in his ministry, and also when we study the ministry of the disciples, we find that discipleship needs two elements direction and relationship. Direction, that is the education, and relationship. The Lord Jesus Christ gave them lectures, gave them homilies, give them sermons he told them after his resurrection the 40 days he was speaking to them about things pertaining to the kingdom of God that is the educational uh, discipleship but also he had a relationship with each one of them sometimes when we are focused on one dimension the discipleship is lacking what do I mean? If all my relationship, my discipleship style is just relational, there is no education. I make activities, I have social time with my class, we have fun, we go trips, we spend time together, and the children are very attached to me. They, They love me and I love them, because all the time we have social activities. But if it is lacking the educational part, or the direction, then it is very, very weak. And it's just a relationship. When there is a challenges to our faith, we will lose them because we did not build them on the foundation of faith. On the other side, if it is only educational discipleship, I give them lessons and I give them lectures. I give them books to read. I give them verses to memorize then, yes, you are building them like a teacher building his students. But the discipleship will be lacking. That's why both direction and relationship are essential in our ministry and in our service. Sometimes our relationship, our love, is not the biblical love. Yes, we love our class, but it is like a conditional love. If somebody hurt me, or spoke about me, or gossiped about me from my class, I take a stand. I don't mean I discipline him, but I take a stand, a personal stand, and I start to push him away from me. That's why we need to understand the love from Biblical perspective. Especially the Lord said, a new commandment I give to you when He spoke about love. Love is not new. Why God said a new commandment? Because in the New Testament, it took a deeper meaning. In the Old Testament, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Here you can see it is conditional. I love my neighbor, I love my friend, but my enemy, I hate him. In the New Testament, since we have the grace of the Holy Spirit in us, which that's the main difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Grace, as we say in John chapter 1, the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth by Jesus Christ. In the Old Testament, you have a set of commandments, but there was no grace. But in the New Testament, you have a set of commandments, but you have the grace of the Holy Spirit to help you. That's why God took the commandment into a higher level in the New Testament. Because we have grace now. He said, they were told, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I am telling you, love your enemy. Pray for those who curse you. Why He took it to a higher commandment? Because of the grace. So, what are the characteristics of this new commandment, this agape love? There are four things in the agape love. Number one, it is sacrificial. Sacrificial love. As St. John said, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our life for others. We should not love by word, but love means I am willing to sacrifice my life. I I am willing to die for others. Literally, to die for others. That's the Aghabi love. That's why when some wives struggle with the commandment of submission, I say, actually, what was required from the husband is more than what's required from the wife. God said to the husband, Love your wives as Jesus loved the church and died for the church. So what's com- is the commandment for the husband is to be willing to die for his wife. But the commandment for the wife is just to submit to her husband. But that is the agape love. It is a sacrificial love. And number two, it is unconditional love. As it is written, while we are sinners, the Lord died on the cross. While we are sinners. He did not say, I'm dying only for the righteous. He died for everyone. As Pope Shenouda used to say, he carried all sins of all people in all ages. On the cross carried all sins of all people in all ages. So that is the second element, unconditional love. The third element, it is limitless love. It is not limited to a certain group. It is not limited to a certain culture or a certain tongue. The Lord came to his own, but his own did not accept him. Then actually, he came for everyone. Whoever accepted him, whether he is Gentile or a Jewish, he will be called son of God. He is given authority to be the children of God. That's why in his incarnation, in his birth, the news of his birth did not go only to the shepherds, but also to the wise men. Wise men represent the Gentiles and the shepherd represent the Jews. So his love is limitless. He loved the sinners. He loved the Gentiles, the Venetian woman. He healed her daughter, and he praised her, and he said, I did not see faith like this in Israel. And when he told her it's not good to take the bread of the children and give it to the dogs. He was actually want to demonstrate her faith to the disciples and to Israel when she answered in a very humble way. So the Lord here demonstrated her faith to all Israel, how in a very humble way she answered. The Arab love is sacrificial, unconditional, limitless. And number four, it is willful. It is the function of the will, not the function of the heart. What do I mean willful? It mean it is a decision, not a feeling. When God told me, love your enemy, maybe I don't have the feeling toward my enemy, the emotions of love. But still, I can make a decision to do the works of love not to speak about him not to do him harm or evil not to repay evil with evil but rather if he is hungry I will give him food if he is thirsty I will give him drink like the good Samaritan and what he did with the Jewish person when I am honest and faithful in fulfilling the commandment of love then this love will be processed from the will and the mind to the heart and the heart will be changed eventually and my emotions and my feeling toward even my enemy will be changed. I will have compassion over him. These are the four characteristics, sacrificial, limitless, unconditional and willful. And we as Sunday school servants, we need our love to our children meeting and fulfilling these criteria and sometimes we praise gifts more than love for example if a servant or a priest casting out demons or doing miracles healings sometimes we praise this as the ideal service and this priest or this servant is actually the example of what servants or clergy should be. But St. Paul actually challenged this in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. When he said, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or clanging cymbal. So, if I'm speaking in tongues, that's a gift. But, if I don't have love in my ministry, then yes, I'm like a sounding brass or a clanging symbol. What about a person who has preached in theology and studied patristic, and his sermons are very strong and his preaching are very, very strong. He's a charismatic preacher. St. Paul spoke And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. I'm not belittling the importance of the gifts, but I'm highlighting the importance of love. Then he said, and though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned. Some people are very, very active, very energetic. But they do all these services just out of energy. But there is no love. There is no love in their hearts. There is no relationship with the people whom they are serving. That's why he said, but have not love, then it profits me nothing. The gifts of the Spirit, like speaking in tongue, miracles, healings, will not actually take you to heaven. But what takes us to heaven when we have the fruit of the Spirit? And the first fruit of the Spirit is love. That's why in Matthew chapter 7, the Lord told us, verse 22, Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? We give a lot of sermons. We preach it in your name. And maybe they made people believe in Christ. And we cast out demons in your name. and done many wonders in your name. And then I will declare to them, I never, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Why? Practice lawlessness, they are not following the law. And as I said, what is the law of the Bible? The Bible can be summarized in two commandments. Love the Lord your God, and love your neighbor as yourself. These people whom they are practicing lawlessness means they don't have love. And because of this, although they were preaching the name of Jesus, they did wonders. They cast out demons, but the Lord told them, depart from me. I don't know you. If you want to grow in this virtue, and you you need to bear the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, try actually to read 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and make it personal, make it personal. For example, if, if your name is George, read Corinthians 13 this way, George is kind, George does not envy, George does not boast, George is not proud, George does not dishonor others, George is not self-seeking, George is not easily angered and keeps not record of wrongs, George does not delight in evil, George rejoices in the truth, George always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always persevere this is why we can say George never fails he became one with God and God is love when actually you read it in a personal way you can examine yourself and you see where I am from all these virtues because if I am lacking this then I don't have this love in my heart of course no one as St. Paul said I did not apprehend or became perfect, but we are pressing toward the goal. So we need to press toward the goal every day to grow in our love every day. In the final judgment, the Lord actually will judge the people based on the works of love. He said to the people on his right hand, I was hungry, and you give me food, I was thirsty, give me drink I was a stranger, and you hosted me I was naked, and you clothed me I was sick, and you visited me I was in prison, and you came to me those actually who did these works of love he called them the blessed of my father come inherit the kingdom of heaven that's why love should be the foundation of our ministry, everything actually we do in the church should be founded on the foundation of love. When love is priority, then our ministry will be like the ministry of Christ, following the footsteps of the Lord Jesus Christ. Definitely we have challenges, especially in this time. What should we do with people who are clearly disobeying the word of God? How can I show them love? For example, people who insist on supporting the LGBTQ community and supporting that there is nothing wrong in it. It is just another lifestyle. How can we deal with that? How can we deal with people who abuse drugs, or justify abortion, or defend the divorce? How can we deal with all of this? The question in other way, is love contradicting discipline or not? As you know, to make disciples means to discipline. And part of the discipline is what we call it the tough love. The correction. When there was a man in Corinth committed adultery with his father's wife, St. Paul excommunicated him. And he was very firm with him. As you read in 1 Corinthians, chapter 5 verse 3 for i indeed as absent in body but present in the spirit have already judged as though i were present judged him who has so done this deed in the name of our lord jesus christ when you are gathered together along with my spirit with the power of our lord jesus christ deliver such a one to satan for the destruction of their flesh that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. What does this mean? So the grace will be removed from his body, from the flesh. When the grace is removed, then he will be exposed to Satan. So he may suffer some physical illness, some diseases. That's what he meant to deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. So the boundaries here, is the destruction of the flesh through illness or through disease, not the soul. But the goal is to actually save the soul, uh, that his soul may be saved in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. When we discipline, this discipline should be a therapeutic discipline, not out of revenge not out of anger, not out of desire to destroy the person completely. This is hatred, not love. But love, when disciplined, it discipline with a certain goal. The goal is the salvation of the person. That's number one. Number two, when we do this, we do this not with a spirit of anger, or vengeance. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, Saint Paul shared with them his feelings when he wrote this excommunication. He told them, for out of much affliction and anguish of heart, I wrote to you with many tears. So while he was writing this excommunication, he was crying His tears came from his eyes. His heart full of anguish. From much affliction and anguish of heart. That is the feeling when we discipline somebody. That is discipline of love. And the third dimension, when the fruit of discipline is achieved, which is repentance, then, the discipline will be removed. There is no discipline that's unlimited. Like, if you take medicine, then you are healed. Then we'll the medicine. That's why when this person repented, St. Paul said to them in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 7, he said, You ought rather to forgive and comfort him, lest perhaps such a one be swallowed up with too much sorrow. Therefore, I urge you to reaffirm your love to him. So here, the discipline, it was therapeutic, with a certain goal, the salvation of the soul. And the person who is giving the discipline, is giving it from a heart that's grieving and sorrowful, because no one wants to discipline his children or his beloved. And number three, when the discipline brings the fruit, actually, the discipline is, should be ended. And the reaffirmation of love is needed. And those who discipline should be actually spiritual. As he said in Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are a spiritual, restore such one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. There is no contradiction between love and discipline, as long as we observe these points. It is a therapeutic from a heart full of sorrow because of the discipline itself and the discipline will be removed after it produces the desired fruit the person who is making the discipline should be a spiritual person and also he does it in a spirit of gentleness considering himself lest he becomes judgmental and fall in the sin of judgment and condemnation and after repentance and returning back the reaffirmation of love is very important so yes, parents need to discipline their children Sunday school servants need to discipline their students clergy need to discipline their congregation when it's needed but how it is done we need to keep in mind these points In order to do it in a loving way there is no contradiction between love and discipline so as I said love is the foundation of our ministry and when we serve in a loving way and our relationship with our disciples will be a loving relationship the service will Flourish and our children will grow spiritually. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.